I'm the one preaching this morning. Uh, <laughs> I got the, the news yesterday um, that uh, Bruce was a little bit under the weather and Marshall is out. So, um, as you know, we have been going through Luke. Um, and we, for the past two weeks, we have been in Luke chapter 10 with the lectionary readings. And so today, if you would, turn with me to Luke chapter 10. We're going to be in Luke for another week here, and join with me. We're going to uh, bounce down to verses 38 to 42. This is, and let's all stand for the reading of God's word. This is the word of God. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you speak through your word, uh, and I pray this morning, Lord, that, that you would speak through your word, God. Hide me behind the cross and let your words come forward, because that is what brings life. Lord, and we know that any time that we are gathered as your body, you are here, and we thank you for being here. We thank you for that promise. So speak to us this morning. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So yeah, over the past three weeks, we've been in Luke, our young may be seated, sorry. Um, over the past three weeks, so we've been looking at this, uh, this chapter, Luke chapter 10. And we started, if you remember, um, with Jesus sending out the 72. So you remember this? So he sends them out, they come back, they're rejoicing that the demons are subject to them. And Jesus clarifies with them, or sort of redirects them and says, hey, instead of that, let's be joyful that your names are written in heaven. So that's sort of the, that first week we were in Luke chapter 10. So last week, if you remember, the lawyer comes up to Jesus and he says, uh, hey, what's, uh, how do I get eternal life? And then we get the discourse between him and Jesus. And he, Jesus asks him, well, well, how do you read the law? And he gives the greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, great, you got it, big guy. And he asked, well, who is my neighbor? And then that's where we get the good Samaritan. And we realized that we're the neighbor. We're supposed to go out and be the good neighbor to everyone. So that's sort of where we ended last week. But if you sort of notice there... The great commandment or the great, uh, or the great law is love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And so God clarifies the neighbor part last week. And I really believe through this story, he begins to clarify to us the other part, which is loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that's really where we're diving into this morning. So join with me as we look back at the text here. And there's there's some certain observations that we see from the beginning. So starting in verse 38, Jesus is seen as on the move. Now, don't you like this? Because I love that song, you know, God is on the move, on 
you know, uh, I sing like my brother, so it's, it's not great. But uh, all the dags sing like this. We sing loud, but it's not great. Uh, but we still make a joyful noise to Jesus. But I love that song, and here we see Jesus is on the move. He's not stagnant. This is not a stagnant faith that we have. We should be on the move with Jesus. And so I like how Luke really uh, puts that little detail in there that as Jesus is on the move, then he comes to Martha's house. And Martha welcomes him in. And then we get this, uh, this detail here that Mary, who is Martha's sister, is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening. And so these are the words that he uses. And then we see that Martha, it, it, you get this sort of picture that, you know, Jesus has come in the house. Mary is, is seated listening to Jesus, and Martha's really trying to prepare the meal, right? You sort of get this, she's in the kitchen, she's, she's over here, she's making sure things are picked up, that people are comfortable, and they had their feet washed, and all these things. And you can tell by the scripture here that she's getting a little frustrated, you know. And so we see then... The next observation is that Martha's distracted by her much serving. Um, and that comes in verse 40. And she then petitions Jesus, or actually accuses him uh, of not caring, and demands that he tell Mary to help. So that's the next observation. Then Jesus responds to her that the only thing necessary is himself, and that Mary's chosen that. So those are really the big observations of this text. So let's begin to dive in, because I think Luke here, um, who is very detail-oriented, because if you remember, at the very beginning in chapter 1, what's the purpose of Luke's writing, right? He's writing to the great Theophilus, and he says, hey, I want you to know the truth about Jesus. That's why I've compiled this whole uh, book. And it really, he wrote, you know, Luke and Acts. So he says, I've compiled all these. I've done a lot of my research so that you can know the truth about Jesus Christ. So really, that's the background of why Luke is writing this. And so I think in chapter 10, it culminates with this story because I believe he's building a case to show us what is the best thing, okay? Because there's a lot of things that we can do, but what is the best thing for the church, for us Christians, on a day-to-day -day basis, what is this best thing? Now, there's a lot of different ways that this uh, passage can be preached and taught about. There's a, there's a book, you know, living a, uh, living a Merry Life in a Martha World, I think, which is actually, I think, a pretty good book. I've never read it, but I hear that's a good one. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times I sort of blew this one off as, you know, I don't, I don't have a lot of anxiety, so this is just sort of, yeah, Mary's just anxious. I don't do that kind of stuff. That's, you know, that's not me. But as I begin to wrestle with this, um, man, I see myself a lot as Mary. And so let's begin to go through these, um, some of these themes. The first one is going to be we're going to explore work, all right? Secondly is anxiety versus contentment. Third is my way. And then fourthly, we're going to really look at God's love and justice. So let's dive in. So work. Um, can we make the case from this uh, scripture that we should all just sit around and do nothing? Because that's some of the arguments then. You know, you read this and you're like, okay, well then if everybody's like Mary, nothing's going to get done. 
There's never going to be any food. You know, the kitchen's never going to be clean. So can we make a case that we all should just be like Mary and just forget all the other stuff and it'll just work out itself? Well, not, that's not quite what Jesus is saying, all right? Um, the day-to-day work has to be done. And if you remember what he told Adam from the beginning, right? First of all, he gives him responsibility. Go name the animals. You're going to have dominion over all creation. And then when they failed, he said, well, sorry, but to get your food, you're going to have to work the ground, okay? So God commands us from the beginning, you got to work. You're going to have to work, okay? And even Paul will say, hey, if you don't work, you're not going to eat, all right? And so it's not a thing of we can just blow off all of our work. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus is saying. And if you look in the passage Jesus isn't getting on to Martha because she's working. He's getting on to her because of a heart issue, the reason why she's working. And so that's really what we see behind it. And if you caught in our Old Testament scripture, uh, Abraham, right? So these three men, sort of mysterious, probably representing the Trinity, come to Abraham. And they're going to tell him that he's going to have a son, right? Because he's already promised him. You know, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars of the heaven. And that, he still hasn't had a son. I mean, they are old by now. Almost, he, and Abraham's almost 100. And so these three guys come, and Abraham recognizes it. And if you notice in the story, Abraham is preparing a meal. He's doing these day-to-day work things. And I think, you know, our liturgy, the, the people who put that in there did that for a reason, Because we have Martha over here doing the exact same thing, but she's not doing it out of the heart of love for God, whereas you see Abraham is. Because he even asked them, he said, hey, if you're okay with it, I'm going to go prepare a meal for you. And he says, yes. So it's very interesting, the, the differences between those stories and between our working for the Lord. Now, so really... Martha is not corrected by Jesus for her service of hospitality. No, but it's only the heart in which she is doing her hospitable work. That's what he's really going after. And if we look at uh, Paul's words, again, we've already read Colossians this morning, chapter 1. In chapter 3, he says, Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So it means... Your day-to-day activities, my day-to-day activities on everything we do, we do in light of Jesus Christ. And that's the correct orientation and heart that we need. And this is where Mary or uh, Martha was lacking in that way. Now, the next thing that we sort of see is this anxiety issue. So uh, it shows that she's really running to and fro in the house, and she's anxious because of the serving part. And I really feel... You know, like I said, I used to sort of blow this off because I, was like, I ain't got anxiety. This is, a, you know, whatever. But, but no, when we really look at this, this is a really tough one, I think, for the Western world and the American people, all right? Because um, we really begin at an early age consuming our lives with non eternal things. We add a lot of things in toys, games, leisure. Goals to have ease, goals of education, all these things are in and of themselves not evil, 
but a lot of times they become goals and issues that may not be God's for us, but we begin to pile them on. And so they begin to be distractions and sources of anxiety for us when we don't perform. And so we put unnecessary pressure on ourselves to compete, to obtain, to get things, to accomplish, to perform, to satisfy, and impress others. And I find myself doing this, right? So, uh, and it's funny, so Cass and I, uh, we come into a lot of disagreements on this, actually. I thought I started thinking about this. And um, I remember one of our big arguments was, it's just hair. So Parker cut his hair really terrible one time, right? And so... Cass is really upset. She's like, why would you do something like that? You're going to go to school and blah, 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 all this. And I was like, it, uh, it's just hair. Like, who cares what it looks like, you know? And we got in this argument of, will you do your hair in the morning to go see your patients? You know, you dress a certain way. And so I started thinking, like, well, you're sort of right, you know? And even here recently, uh, I was cooking some ribs and... I hurt her feelings because I wanted the ribs to be presented a certain way so that I would look a certain way when I presented to my company, you know, at the expense of another person's feelings, and that's wrong. So it's not wrong to, for me want to present something a good way, but when I do it out of a not-so-good heart, that becomes more the issue, and that's what we find. And we put these undue stresses on ourselves. I think of even sports-wise, right? I used to get insanely upset when sports teams would lose. And you're, I started thinking, I'm like, man, I can't, I can't get out there and play the game. I can't get out there and, and make the touchdown. But I get really upset, and I, I negatively impact my family over a game that people are playing. And that's really where some of this begins to hit home with us, especially here in the South with football and basketball and all these, is we put all these things into our lives, and when they don't go quite like we want, we get upset. And so we become just like Martha here, and we start really running to and fro and frustrated and getting anxious on these things. Now, the next thing is more my way, okay? Now, man, and I find that this is, uh, this is a tough one as well, is that in my own life, I, I have plans for myself, right? So a lot of times we quote Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, the Lord, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Well, I, I think as Americans, we end up saying, I know the plans I have for myself, says Justin, Right? And I'm going to do these plans, and if they start collapsing, then I go to God and lie, and I'm like, what are, what's going on, Lord? Why didn't you bless this that I'm doing? It's a good thing. It's a good thing to serve you and your people a meal in my house. Is that not a good thing? And so we see here when she, when she really confronts it, this is what I think her mindset is. Is that I'm performing a good thing here for you, Lord. I'm not getting any help. So I'm going I'm to need some help here. You know, this is a noble cause. And I think a lot of times we do this. We go ahead of God, make the plan without ever consulting our creator. Who created us for a purpose, for a specific task. And that's important. 
And so, do we stop and think and pray about what God's plan is for our life before we act? Man, and this is tough to do. I'll be honest with you, because a lot of times we just act. We don't have the, the insight to think ahead and pray and really seek God, because a lot of times we busy our lives so much that we don't even have time to do it. We just act on our own and then expect God to come behind us and bless it. And that's really what we find Martha doing here as well. And just because something is noble and a good cause does not mean that it's God's will for your life. So just because something is noble and a good cause does not mean that that's always God's will. And we really see this, right, in the Pharisees. Because, man, did they do good works? Yeah. Did they tithe? Oh, you bet you. Were they in church every Sunday? Oh, absolutely. Did they pray? Oh, they did really well. And did they serve? Yeah, in the capacity that they did. Did they know God? They did not. They killed him. And so were those things good that they were doing? The answer is yes. And so it's not the, the cause or your actions that really God is looking at. It's your heart. Why are you doing it? Is it for show? Is it for people to look at me and say, man, those ribs that you cook, fantastic. A pat on the back, you know. That's, that's really, that's not what the underlying heart issue needs to be. It needs to be love. It needs to be love for God. And so I find that this my way first, God come in second mentality uh, is tough. It's tough. And it's tough to get over that. I'll be honest with you. It's tough to pray ahead of time, God, what would you have me do today or what person can I run into today and shine the light of your glory in their life? That needs to be our prayer each morning as we go to our work. We may think we're just going uh, just to do our day-to-day stuff again, but God has other plans. He doesn't want you just to be day in, day out, same-o, same-o. No, no, no. He wants you to do it for him. He's put you there for a reason. So, um, before we commit to any type of work, we need to pray. And we need to pray as Jesus did. And remember in the garden, he said, it's not my will, but it's yours, Lord. And that really should be our prayer. Now, sort of this fourth thing. So we've looked at, you know, our work. We looked at anxiety, going our own way. And then next is really God's love. And did you catch what Martha said to Jesus? So, so go back, if you got your Bibles, this is uh, verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care? Has anybody ever said that to you, or have you ever said that to anybody? The question is, have you ever said it to God? Do you not care? What is she actually doing here? She's she's really accusing the creator of the world, the one who established the stars and the foundations of the earth. Do you not care? 
Are you just? Because what I'm doing is good, and you don't seem to be caring about it. Man, have you ever felt like this? Man, it's a tough one. Uh, because I have, you know, there's times in life where, where life choices come in, uh, you're going one way, things happen, and I remember for me, um, I really felt like God wanted me to be uh, an orthopedic surgeon, and so I'm in med school, and I'm studying, and I, and I studied hard, and, I, and I, I made the grades to get in, and all this, I went on all my interviews, right, and I had 10 interviews, which they said the magic number was eight. If you have eight, you have a 99% chance of matching and going to orthopedic residency. And so I was like, man, I'm good. And so, back, you know, how, the, how that works is there's a Thursday that is called match day where everybody finds where you're going from med school. And so if you get a call on that Monday before the Thursday, that's Black Monday. And that means you didn't match. And so we're just sitting around. I remember we're in Mobile. And I get a call, and I'm just like, hello. And it's the, it's the dean of our med school. And she says, hey, uh, you didn't match. And I was, it was devastating. I, I was like, what, are you, what are you talking about? And come to find out, I was the only one who didn't match in my whole class. And, man, you talk about humbling. And I, I, I got... I'm angry at God immediately because I'm like, did you not call me to this? Do you not care of what I'm doing? Well, my family's in jeopardy. Like we already have, we have one kid and we've got one due. Uh, actually, this was, no, we had one and we were thinking about having Lou. And so I'm like, well, I've already got a kid. Like I don't even know what I'm going to do for the next year. God, do you not care about your own plan for my life? You told me to do this. And we accuse God of injustice. Do you not care? You hear her words? This is very, uh, it's a very human thing to ask, I feel. We all are, have been there before. And then we, we're, we're just like Martha because we're demanding of God. Did you catch that? She doesn't ask God, Can you, uh, do you mind getting Mary to help, she says, get her to help, right? Tell her then to help me. Because remember, what I'm doing is good, so therefore you should be behind it, God. So, yeah, you're being a little unjust right now, so go ahead and ante up and just tell her to help, then everything will be good. Very interesting when we really look at Jesus' response to her. Um, and let's just read that together again now in light of sort of what we've, what we've been thinking here. This is verse 41. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, which is more of an endearing term. It's just Martha. He, he, he's not like the Martha, you know. Sometimes you have to be like that as a, as a parent, you know. But no, no, this is, the, this is the loving approach. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. So what is that necessary thing? Martha's meant it's Jesus. It's Jesus and Jesus only. If we lose sight that everything that we do, everything we do in here is Jesus. 
If we lose sight, we're off on our own. We're distracted. We're frustrated, just as Martha. And it's so easy to do it. It's so easy to do it. The enemy loves to distract on good things. Man, sometimes it may be uh, you're actually serving in a certain way, but you're doing it out of a not-so-good heart. God wants to check us. God wants to check us. What is the necessary thing? It's Jesus. So Jesus lovingly corrects Martha, refocuses her thoughts and actions back to the most important thing, and that's life and relationship with the Creator. That's all that's necessary, because when you and I stand before God in the end, it's about, did you know him? Remember what he says to the ones that don't? He says, I never knew you. I never knew you. It's relational. It's relational. And that's what's most important. It's not all of just what you do. If it's, remember, Paul really joins in this in 1 Corinthians 13. And he says, look, if you give your body uh, to be martyred, but you don't do it in love, it is nothing. Nil. Zero. I mean, that's sort of hard for us to swallow sometimes. But he's very clear. If you can speak the tongues of angels, you don't love, you're a noisy gong. Just crashing the cymbal over there with no beat. And that's, that's tough for us. But it, re, it orients our, everything we do is love. And this goes back to the greatest commandment, right? So we tackled the neighbor last week, and Jesus is really getting at the heart of the issue here is love. It's, it's me. It's Jesus himself. He says, I'm the one who is necessary, Martha, you can do all these things. If you're not doing it out of heart for me, it is worth nothing. And so the, you know, this is the truly the only thing that matters and everything else fades away. And if our plans and our actions do not have Jesus at the center, we need redirection. And even last night as I was sort of really going over a lot of this stuff, man, I started thinking, um, is everything I do because of God's love? And that's it's tough. The answer was no. <laughs> um, and then comes repentance if it's not. But we really begin to shift our worldview, everything of how we view things, we do it through the lens of Jesus Christ. Um, and so that all our day-to-day work should be done in light of Jesus Christ. All of our plans and aspirations done in the light of Jesus Christ. All our intentions, our actions, and reactions done in the light of Jesus Christ. And what's interesting is Mary, Mary got it. If you look through Scripture, do you remember every time that this Mary is mentioned... She's at the feet of Jesus. So let's just recap a few of these. Luke 10, here. Where is she? She's at the feet of Jesus, listening. John chapter 11, Lazarus died. Because remember, this is also the Mary whose brother was Lazarus. She runs to Jesus and she falls at his feet and says, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
And then in John chapter 12, she's also the one that breaks the fragrance over his feet and then wipes it with her hair. This is the heart of worship. This is how we should see everything in our world is through the lens of Jesus Christ. And if we really look at Mary here, that is a very humble position to be at somebody's feet. It really, especially back in those days, because it was a lot of dirt and everything. And she's always found at the feet of Jesus in a very humble position, listening, crying out to him when her brother died, and then anointing him for his burial. And man, we need that kind of heart, is the Mary heart. So she really grasped what's most important. Now, you know, it doesn't mean that she was lazy and doesn't work. There are times for that. But what's interesting is we have to recognize that when Jesus is near, that's our attention. That's our attention. It's when he is near, he, just as the Colossians reading said today, he takes preeminence. He is the one. And so we can do a lot of things, but when God comes near, our attention 100% needs to be on him. And one way, obviously, to do that is, like we've done this morning, we gather together because this time is sacred. God actually promises to meet with us here every Sunday. And so I'm glad you came this morning because you're obeying the word of the Lord and he promises to meet with us. And we can be at his feet this morning as we contemplate what he's done for us. Because his words are true life. And, I, and Bruce pointed this out to me because I did talk to our pastors before I, I uh, preached the message. I was like, guys, you got to help me out here. Um, and he really pointed this out. He said... Um, if you look at it, Martha is trying to serve bread, right? She's trying to make a meal and serve them. And Mary is listening to the bread of life. One is temporary, one's eternal. And it's our choice to choose the eternal, the better. So Jesus here, if you look, it, he doesn't rebuke Martha like we talked about on her work. It's, it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. Mary's chosen the better. That's me. It's Jesus. So once we have the right heart, the right focus, then every el- everything else falls in line. And this is what Jesus himself says in Matthew 6, is, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things are added and given to you. So with Jesus in proper view, our work will be correct. Right? Our anxieties begin to fall away. Our will and our way is conformed to his. And our view of his love will cause us to care for others instead of accusing him of injustice. So our jobs, day-to-day activities, our intentions, our actions, responses all fall in line when we put Jesus at the center of everything we do. And I think that's really what... Luke captures here with this story at the end of chapter 10, which we've been in chapter 10, like I said, for three weeks, so super important chapter overall. And what's the greatest commandment? Is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, demonstrated really by Mary's actions here. And so 
as, as we close, I think this morning, what God at least talked to me is, I, is my life oriented around Jesus Christ? Is it truly oriented? Everything I say, all my day-to-day actions, my work, when I'm, at, when I'm seeing patients, if I'm doing surgery or if I'm uh, on a trip, anywhere I am, are my actions oriented and am I looking through everything through Jesus Christ? And if it's not, we can come down and repent. I had to myself. And so if, if the Lord has spoken to you, we'll get y'all to come up, um, come down. But love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.